Hey, what's up, creepy cats and spooky chicks? You want to talk some horror flicks? I'm G. And I'm Ant, and this is Just Another Horror Show, episode number four, titled Hereditary. Hey everybody and welcome to uh, episode number four of Just Another Horror Show. Uh, you know, Tonight we had a whole lineup of things that we wanted to talk about. Uh, besides Hereditary, we wanted to bring you uh, Strangers and uh, Strangers to Pray at Night, do a little bit of a side-by-side -side comparison. We also wanted to start our linear review of uh, Tales from the Crypt, starting with episode one, going all the way to the very last episode, including the movies. Still going to do all that. But uh, last night we saw Hereditary and our fucking minds were blown. So we wanted to make uh, tonight's episode about Hereditary and only Hereditary. So uh, on with the uh, Hereditary show, right, Shane? Right. Let's right. go. Let's do it. So uh, Hereditary is the full-length feature film uh, directorial debut. It's also written by uh, Ari Aster. Now, Ari has done a, uh, a bunch of shorts, um, The Turtle's Head, um, a Munchausen. We haven't seen them, but uh, but if you had and you want to share us share with us uh, what you thought of them, you could, um, if you follow us on Anchor and you are an Anchor subscriber, you could leave us a little voicemail and uh, let us know uh, what you thought of the sh shorts, what you think of us, uh, what you would like to hear us cover, um, or... Uh, or, you know, just, just introduce yourself. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can now, uh, we're blowing up, y'all. You could uh, reach us now on Facebook at uh, Just Another Horror Show or uh, Instagram at jahs.podcast. And you could also leave us uh, a voicemail there on Anchor. So, um, we're going to cut to a bit of trivia, uh, courtesy of uh, Imadeba, as we like to call it. Imadeba. The, the IMDB, the all-seeing eye of the uh, entertainment world. Um, so, uh, Gene, why don't you kick us off with that piece there? So, in the first scene of the movie Hereditary, we see the son Peter at school, and his teacher is discussing the idea of escaping fate, which was talked about... Um, with Laurie Strode in the original Halloween movie. And it's kind of funny that the new Halloween trailer came out yesterday as well as Hereditary. So we thought that was kind of fun. Right, right. And you know what? I think if we, if we dug a little deeper, you know, we would have beat IMDb to the punch. Yeah, totally. Totally. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Oh, 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 one thing we did do is we were watching the trailer uh, in the midst of downtown Brooklyn traffic, which uh, we don't recommend you doing, but we're such, we're such fucking horror freaks and uh, consumer whores that uh, we couldn't help ourselves. So, so Yeah, we couldn't that. wait until we parked. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, warning uh, everybody out there, if you haven't seen Hereditary yet and you plan on it and you don't like uh, any surprises ruined for you, uh, please listen no further. Uh, we're going to talk about this film, um, Soup to uh, Nuts there. Literally. And, uh, yeah, literally nuts. Um, nuts on the cake. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, once you've finished uh, watching it and you want to come back and, and you want to hear what we have to say, uh, please do so. We don't want to spoil the film for you. So uh, we actually went to go see this at, uh, at the Alamo Draft House. A couple of our uh, very dear friends. 
And let me tell you something, trying to write notes for a film review is fucking impossible, even though you have like those little under the table lights and you're trying to scribble on the little menu pads, right? But you started to scribble right away, which I thought was interesting. What, uh, what, what, what caught your attention? I did because the first frame of this movie totally caught my attention. I feel like it's a, it's a first impression like anything else, you know, I think trailers can give you a certain idea of a movie or whatever, but... Those first couple of seconds are really going to give you an idea of what the movie's going to be like. So the first frame of Hereditary is just a black screen with one thing on it. And it's an obituary of Annie Graham's mom. And so to me, that's really exciting because I feel like if a movie is starting with a death, starting with an obituary, shit's only going to get crazier from there. Shit's going to get bad. Right. And it absolutely did. Did not disappoint. Yeah, you know, in in the first few frames of this film, right, and there's and there's the 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 really like subtle music and the very like still frames. I felt like I felt like, and I'm probably gonna get Flame City for this because I know a lot of people don't like him, but like you start to get like that creeping feeling all the time that like no matter what they're showing you, you're just fucking creeped out, like a la like. The Shining, or and I'm not comparing these films at all, but like The Shining or like The Sixth Sense, where like you just feel just creeped out, like your skin's constantly crawling. Yes. And this film started out that way, and that just that just for no reason whatsoever, right? You really have no reason to be tense besides just this obit, right? It that starts we're from reading. the very beginning. Yep. But you can't just help get the creeps. I, maybe that's a little bit of hype. Whatever, you know, we had been reading a, a, a little bit about it before that. But, like, I feel like we were getting... Also, too, they're, like... If if you notice the background in most of these films, they're surrounded by mountains. And um, Tony, uh, um, Tony Collette's character, Annie, is, is a miniaturist, right? And this just dawned on me. When... In the opening scene, we're kind of looking down at like the miniatures that she's, you know, in each room. There's there's a thing going on. There's someone sleeping. There's someone doing this. Someone, and we're always looking down at it, right? But when when you actually see the characters in their setting, they're surrounded by mountains. Like they're like they're in a valley, like always being looked down on. I don't. That's very Kubricky to me. That's cool. A lot that's of these things, really it, like that, that, that just dawned on me. Yeah. You know, like very still shot pans into like one like. You know, particular, very still, very slow. I, I, Kubrick's one of my favorites, so I, you know, I'm always going to reference him. And I know I'm waxing poetic, but I, I that just that just dawned on me just just now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and to the effect of the the frames going so slow and everything that you were just saying, I that's one of the things I really loved about this movie: the pacing, the pacing of every shot, the pacing of the suspense, the pacing of the scares. Yeah. I really, really thought it was well done. I thought it was mostly even keeled throughout the whole movie. Um, the the spacing, like I said, and everything. And I just, it was very, very well done. Starting from the beginning, just kind of building and building. But not slow enough where you get frustrated, because sometimes that is frustrating when there's all the suspense and no payoff in a horror movie. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and, and I think... I think that kind of slow burn, like that constant tension that pulls back and back and back like a rubber band, it, it, it's really a bold move because I don't have faith in the audiences anymore. You know what I mean? Where like, like you know, even like ourselves included, right? Like, like you kind of want, 
it's almost like instant gratification. Like, get the scare over already because I can't handle it. And I don't mean to disparage audiences because I'm that way too. Even even in this movie, I was kind of like, oh, like, something's got to happen soon because I've just been feeling sick this entire film. And, like, you know, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But, uh... Yes, so sorry for speaking, that. Yeah, speaking of Annie Graham slash Tony Collette slash most brilliant actress who should win every fucking award ever, known to man, create a category for her. Let her win every time. Absolutely. Just... All the awards for Tony Collette. Yeah. So, um... So, yeah. So, uh, this... The, the film opens with, um, Annie, who is giving the eulogy for her, uh, her mom, Ellen. And, uh, it's, it's not the most comfortable eulogy. There's, there's a lot of shinfo It's not your typical eulogy. It's a little bit of an inappropriate <laughs> eulogy, honestly. Um, she actually tells the funeral goers that she's surprised to see them all there and we get a little glimpse of how many people are there and it's not a lot of people really but it's a lot to her because she didn't expect anybody to show up for her mom it seems so she starts going kind of rambling a bit going down this rabbit hole of just spewing personal family info about her parents struggling with mental illness and herself struggling with issues and so it kind of gives us the feeling in one of these first scenes here with in the funeral home, you kind of get the feeling that this is going to play out maybe like a like a straight up haunting film. Right. And, and and you know, we've been getting treated to this a lot where films that disguise themselves as haunting films, as possession films are really just films about uh, are, are just like psychological thrillers where it's like all right he, probably the character wasn't possessed they were probably just you know uh mentally ill or you know whatever's going on and and then leave it up to the audiences to decide and sometimes i like that and but i i think it's been done ad nauseum and then it starts to seem like a cop-out i was really afraid of that with this film and i you know i you almost become a victim of your own expectations right your your own um yeah your your, your own devices and you know, as she's starting to explain that, you know, uh, she has mental illness, right? Um, uh, her mom suffered from from DID, the uh, disassociative disorder. Uh, her father was schizophrenic to the point that he basically starved himself to death. So I, I'm sorry, I'm stealing your thunder there. No, but, not at all. So, um, so after that, we're uh, we're introduced to Charlie, played by uh, Millie Shapiro, who is the daughter of of Annie. And uh, folks, for those of you who don't know Charlie, uh, some of her favorite hobbies include uh, sleeping in her uh, tree fort, uh, excessive uh, tongue clicking, uh, eating foods that she's highly allergic to, cutting the heads off dead pigeons, and putting them on uh, makeshift dolls. So, Good she, she's fun at parties. Yep. Yeah. All right. And uh, and it, this thing, you know, these things are gonna play out through th- through the film. Um, Steve play is uh, played by Gabriel Byrne. He is Annie's husband, and it's fucking poor Steve, man. He, I think, yeah, I think he just wants <laughs> he just wants a normal life. He's just a normal dude in his button down shirts and just shit unravels. Yeah, and, and uh, but, yeah, he but he's very even keeled, which is kind of like a weird. Thing. Too even killed. For, for, right, too even killed for for most of the movie until the very very end. I feel, but like yeah, he's just like more like exhausted 
of the situation. Like, everything that happens is just yeah, like, right, oh, right, right. not fucking again. Like, what now? Right, like, like I just want to have dinner. Yeah, like, he doesn't freak out. He doesn't get scared at anything. He doesn't, right. he's just like, fuck. Right, he's, <laughs> he's like, I bought a Volvo just to fucking get away from this. Yeah. Live in the mountains. I just want to drive in the mountainside with my Volvo. Yeah. And Poor he's just he, just, he just, he just doesn't get a chance to, to do any of that stuff. So, um... And um, at, at 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 some point, uh, Steve gets a call that that Ellen's grave has been um, desecrated. There's, there's been some like excavating done, or you know, it's digging up at at Ellen's grave site. Not a good thing, right? And uh, and and that's kind of put on put on the back burner there. And um, you know, Annie kind of uh, flames her mom at the eulogy for being a little secretive, right? But Annie's kind of secretive too. Um, she tells Steve that she's going uh, to the movies, but actually she's been going to um, group grief counseling for people who have um, who have lost loved ones, and and she's keeping that quiet from uh, her family. And then uh, we we see the um, the chemistry between uh, Tony Collette and uh, Alex Wolf, who plays her son Pete in the film. And uh, they they, they kind of have like this weird dynamic through the whole film. We start to see a little bit of it, and uh, in this uh, particular scene, um, Annie asks um, her son Pete to take Charlie to a party with him. And this is where this where the, where the film just goes starts to get weird, a little off the rails, but for, for my own reasons. So, um, and this is. This is interesting. It's funny that you say about the chemistry between them because he's he's in high school. So what? I guess presumably, I don't know if we know exactly how old he is, but you know, 16, 17, something like that. And um so it's easy to write it off as like a typical teenager parent relationship, but as they interact more and more, you really get the feeling that there's something underneath that, that it's more than just like an angsty teenager bratty thing with his parents. You kind of Start to feel that there's some underlying, like real, real issues there. Yeah, and you know, and normally it's 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 on the kids' end, right? Like this coming of age thing, like they're 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 kind of like not comfortable in their skin. It really looks like it's more like on on Annie's side, right? You know, and and Pete's trying to figure her out. So you know, this film it, it's not only a horror. You know, it, it's also about it's also about family tragedy. It, it's also about broken dynamics, right? We're starting to see that. So Pete takes Charlie to a party. Typical high school party, right? There's some fucking people blowing bud. You got some beer going on. Some some other shit. Condoms flying everywhere. <laughs> not at this party. What's at this party? Fucking chocolate cake. With and nuts not, on it. Yeah, right, right. And nobody bought an Entenmann's chocolate cake to this party. These well, bitches were baking a cake. Yeah, well, you know, probably, I don't know if a lot of people know Entenmann's. It's probably like an East Coast thing. I mean, these people are out oh, the Oh, sorry. Yeah. But like a box cake, you know, from the store. Yeah, but uh, like you've been to your share of parties. Like, I mean, I wasn't the most popular kid, but like every party I went to, there's like, like I said, there, you know, there's alcohol, like people like fucking or whatever. This had chocolate cake. It'd be my party because I'm fat. But <laughs> there's chocolate cake in the middle of the room with nuts on it that, by the way, I forgot to mention, Charlie is allergic to them, right? She, yes. she carries an EpiPen all the time. Uh, 
it was forgotten in this particular instance. I just can't get past the fact that there was a chocolate cake in the middle of this fucking party. Just really weird. I can't. It's 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 uncomfortable, but I, <laughs> it's it, it's part of the movie. So uh, I think it just meant because it made you want chocolate cake. It did make me want chocolate cake. <laughs> Oh, and but you, you know what made me mad is we ordered a shake and I, they didn't get the shake. I didn't. Oh get the yeah, shake. we had yeah. We don't so, have to get into that, but yeah, yeah, we we were missing the chocolate shake. But it's fine. <laughs> Let's not lose our heads about it. Speaking right. of losing our heads, <laughs> so uh, so Charlie eats this chocolate cake that has walnuts in it. Um, obviously, not good for her. Uh, she doesn't go into anaphylaxis right away. She kind of chills out for a little while. And she's like, oh, shit. Like, something's going on. So she goes to get her brother, Pete. Um, they leave in a panic, obviously. I don't know why he didn't call 911. He decided he was going to drive her to the hospital. So um, Charlie is in the back seat of the car, struggling to breathe. It's getting worse and worse. So she opens the window to stick her head out um, to get some air so she can breathe. And then we see a dead deer, I think, or something in the road. And Pete swerves to avoid the dead animal, veers off the road, and Charlie gets decapitated by a fucking telephone pole. Yeah, I just, I, you know, it, films, I, I'm I'm pretty jaded moviegoer. I felt like I've seen it all. But like, but like the way that the scene was just framed and the way it unfolded, like the I looked to my right and I saw you guys. I told, I looked to my left and I saw like the other people that we weren't with. Everybody's mouth just agape. Yeah. Just like holy shit! Like people weren't even looking at the screen. They were just like looking at each other. Like, what did just we happened? just fucking see that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. This the, the whole scene. The scenes from the time they leave the party to Charlie's death is super super intense, and like you're just. You you know that it's not going to end well, right? I mean, you no. think that maybe she's she's going to go into full anaphylaxis and she's going to die, or like he's driving so crazy, he's not like whatever. You're thinking all of these things, and then like you don't even you didn't even imagine you were imagining all these bad things that could happen to right. this girl. You would never imagine what actually happened to her. You know what I mean? Right. It was crazy. Um, but I also want to say. That um, the cinematography throughout this movie was phenomenal, exceptional. Oh, yeah. It was just beautifully, beautifully done movie. And while you're going through this brutal, intense scene and like all, all the, you know, you have this thrill. They, there's a shot of when Pete breaks, stops the car, and you see the wheel breaking, and the view is from the top of the wheel well. And you're just looking down at the wheel on the road. And I just had never seen like that kind of shot before. And I just thought it yeah. was so cool and so different. Um, I want to say this also about that scene. So Charlie gets decapitated. Pete stops the car. And he's just... He's not screaming. He's not crying. He's not freaking out. He's just sitting there. Stopped in the car. And in the moment while we were watching the movie, I appreciated that because I'm like... One of the things also that I loved about this movie is the reactions of all the actors and stuff. Just the reactions to all this crazy shit that was happening weren't typical, I feel. They were a little more... Like, typical of a horror movie, I mean. They were a little more realistic, like what would happen in the moment. Like if something that horrible just... You caused that to happen, you're gonna stop for a minute. 
So I thought that was like a realistic reaction. I'm like, okay, he's he's gonna freak out in a second. He's gonna try to figure out what to do. Um, and then Pete just totally fucking disappointed me. And what happens is he leaves his sister, goes home, parks the car in front of the house, and goes to bed. Right, but you, you know, like now, the more that I start to think about some of the other like overarching themes of the film, right? There's this whole idea of the DID, right? And and how things, some of those things are hereditary. I think Pete's got a bit, has a bit of that, right? You could, you know, I, I think, I think Annie's brother was also sick. You know, his uncle, his grandfather. So there's clearly, there, there's, there's a history of this family just not being able to cope. And that is, that's a traumatic scene. I mean, you know, you, 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 you want to say like, dude, you piece of shit, like your sister's dead. You're... But if you really think about it, this is probably how how these folks cope. Right. Right? Yeah, Which you're is, right. But it's still, you're just like, how? How the fuck do you... How, how do you just leave? Yeah. 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 Sorry, I, I just wanted to uh, interject that. Yeah, no, no, you're uh, you're absolutely right. So, uh... Um, oh, and one of the other scenes that just it, it tugs at your heart is when you know there's there's the close up of of Pete laying down. Not only did he not sleep, he didn't even blink an eye. It looks like right, and yeah. and Dawn slowly descends upon the house, and you just hear this guttural, god awful scream that's so realistic and so heart wrenching, and you know you you see you know. Uh, Annie on the floor of her bedroom, just screaming. I, Tony Collette in this film, she rips your heart out. She makes you laugh. She makes, you know, she 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 makes you cry. She just weirds you out. But like this one particular scene, like your heart just just yeah. goes out. Like we don't even have kids, right? And we just like, oh my god, I can't can't imagine. Wasn't even prepared. Just like went to her car, probably like go do something, and like there lies the body of her headless daughter. Like. What the fuck? Like it, it's not just the things that you're shown. It's it's the things that like you are forced to think about because not everything is thrown out there for you. Right. Which is another thing that I really like about this film. So I just wanted to um add that. So uh it cuts to uh Annie is back at um uh her her lost loved ones support group. And she's in the car and it seems like she's really having some reservations about going in there and um uh there at the side of her car is a woman named uh joan who was played by uh annie dowd i i believe her name is she's another uh accomplished actress very extensive resume she's been a lot of stuff uh particularly she is in the handmaid's tale uh so mother uh, she's uh, an aunt oh right right aunt uh lydia aunt lydia that's right she's aunt lydia so, um, she's fucking scary. Aunt Lydia is fucking scary, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like Aunt Dow, just she's so good at these multi dimensional characters. Oh, yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah, because you know, we we see a lot of things about Joan, but like right now, she's just this, you know, other in the group who offers, um, Annie a, um, shoulder to cry on, a, a sympathetic shoulder and. Uh, you know, just, just somebody to talk to. She gives Annie her number. She says, and she explains to Annie her her own tragedies in her life. 
she lost her grandson, she lost some other people, and um, and she basically just just puts that in in Annie's head, and so uh, this uh, Annie actually takes Joan up on 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 her offer, and meets at Joan's apartment, and Annie starts to recount at this at this stage a time um, during one of her sleepwalking sessions, where she douses her son Pete in uh, paint thinner, and wakes up uh right before she uh like lights the match, the match yeah. strikes the match and uh fucking uh flambes him so um again we see Joan as like this just supportive figure who's you know there for you know for for Annie and uh later on we see Joan who's just elated sees Annie in the parking lot Embraces her with open arms, and said, "Annie, I uh, I had a séance, and I was able to come into contact with my dearly departed grandson, uh, Louis. I I think his name is mm-hmm. right. And um, Annie thinks that she's nuts, and she's mm-hmm. just you know some uh, some wacko. But uh, Annie decides to go to Jones, where Joan has a séance." And here's where here's where the little scares start to come in, and like now we know, Annie is in some really bad, um, uncharted territory, as uh, uh, Joan makes contact with with her grandson. Right, the wind through through Annie's hair, the moving glass, the the high grandma on on the chalkboard, right, and um, uh, right after that. Uh, this dream dream sequence that Annie has, and I think I think this deserves a good chunk of our time because this was a fucking wild dream sequence, right? Yeah, it was fucking crazy bananas. Uh, so um, Anne wakes up, and there's some ants crawling on her bed. Trail of ants leads to Pete's room. Pete is covered, mouthful of ants, eyeful <gasps> of ants. Yeah, if 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 you're a bugophobe of any kind, just this movie's not for you at all. It is not for the faint of heart. Um, so uh, she's got this. Tony Clyde has this hard hard look yes. on her face, and it's a close up, and it's brilliant. It's very like I, I go back to to Kubrick again. I love The Shining. It's one of my favorite films. It's a very Shelley Duvall kind of moment, like yeah, you know, like you just. <laughs> like the, the the abject fucking horror in her face, yeah. and like Pete's like awake now, and he's like equally horrified, and she starts to go. This like the tone of the conversation is something you don't really see often. It's very surreal. It is spoken like in like a very dreamlike state, but it's not overly done. It's very conversational, but it's really creepy because she, all of a sudden she blurts out, "I didn't want you." Yeah, she all of a sudden starts saying all these things that you can tell like so she's blurting out these things that she's thinking but as she's blurting them out things like I never wanted you I tried to have a miscarriage when I was pregnant with you and it didn't work and Pete's like so you didn't want me around yeah like he's like I fucking get it all right like you know (laughs) you want me fucking dead but uh so but she's she's saying these things and immediately, as they're coming out of her mouth, she's covering her mouth. 
Right. So they're coming. So it's like her innermost thoughts are just literally falling out of her mouth. She has no control over it, which I thought was so weird, which again is a little nod to like, okay, maybe she's possessed. Like maybe something's going on. Something, something inside is making her say these things. Right. Maybe it's the mental illness, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's the mental illness, but the most brilliant part to me about this scene is so, right. So there's the ants, right? She comes into the room. She screams that wakes Pete up. So that next frame, the ants are gone. Right. Right? Then they're going back and forth. And there's a frame of Tony Collette and a frame of Pete. Back and forth. And then a couple of times. And then all of a sudden, they show Pete and he's soaking wet. Right. So you're like, okay. Like the roof opened up. He's like, you know, it's a dream or something, right? So did the roof open up? It's are, raining. Like are, what's going on? Are, are his sweat glands running amok? Yeah. Is he like sweating? Like right. what's happening? He's soaking wet. They go to Annie, she's soaking wet, and you realize that this is the dream she was talking about. Yeah. They're both doused in lighter fluid or uh, paint thinner or something. And he's just like, why do you want to fucking kill me? Like, right. what is your deal? Is it is it is it bad to... F- I thought it was humorous and chaotic and horrifying, but again, funny... It didn't mean to be funny. Um, there were a bunch of funny-ish moments, right? Like the the theater in unison laughed a bunch of times throughout this movie. Yeah, but I not don't like know ha ha ha, was... like ha ha. Right. Ha-ha. <laughs> I don't know if it was. It it had to be purposeful. I just think overall that this movie was very thought out. I think for sure everything was purposeful. Everything was like accidentally, like unintentional, intentional. Yeah. I don't know if that, you know, yeah. if we're losing people with that. But. Well, but yeah, I know what you mean. That's my opinion. I think yeah. that everything was very carefully thought out. Yeah. No, that's uh, totally right on. So, um, Annie, after after Jones' results, decides to do the seance for... For herself and tries to to summon Charlie. Apparently, she's done so already, right? Because by the time she grabs Pete and Steve, she's like, "You you guys have to try this. You guys have to come down." And like Pete's fucking having none of it. By the way, amazing acting. Yes. By by uh, by by Alex Wolf. All around. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. All, all around, but like Tony Collette steals virtually everything. But like <laughs> Pete, so he's just like this poor kid who just like just. Just can't fucking like do right. Like Steve just wants to drive in his Volvo <laughs> and wear his button downs, and Pete just wants to get high. Yeah, Pete just wants to get high and just you know eat brownies or whatever. And uh, so Annie's doing uh, the seance. The glass moves right. Um, the candle that's that's burning there shoots up into flames, but the unexpected happens. Charlie jumps into Annie's body and, like, basically just, like, possesses her. And, like, everybody just starts fucking freaking out. Glasses are breaking. So then um, Annie gets the impression that the spirit of Charlie may be somewhat compromised, may have turned sour, may not be uh, just a simple visit, right? Something, Something's really, really wrong here. And we start to see... You know, uh, out of the blue, like this, the sketchbook in the middle of the room start to take on sketches and the pages start to flip. And Annie sees this and uh, she tries burning uh, Charlie's sketchbook to 
to get rid did did you notice that somehow in some parts particularly this one that like Annie knew what to do to get rid of the certain things like how would you know to to burn that book if you weren't already somewhat familiar with well I mean well I I see what you're saying but I don't think it means anything because I mean if you're trying to get rid of something like really get rid of it for good like not hide it get rid of it make it disappear burning it is a pretty good pretty good thing you're gonna burn it and obviously Annie has a thing for fire right like she's tried to you know, burn her kids alive oh, cool. and shit. Yeah. So, I, maybe she's just a fucking pyromaniac. A pyromaniac, yeah. But <laughs> that ends up not happening, right? She tries to burn the book, and and her arm goes on fire. Yeah. And then the book is virtually like unscathed, right? It 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 doesn't burn. Yeah, nothing happens to the book. Yeah. Right. Um. So you know now now Annie is totally um unraveling, and she looks to seek out uh, the advice of Joan, who's kind of becoming uh her her pillar. Joan's not home, but we do get a sneak peek into Joan's dining room slash kitchen where there's the severed animal heads and there's some shit going down. Like, now we know, like, Joan's just not who Annie thinks that she is. Or yeah, she even... definitely has a connection to this family. Right, right. So, um, is Joan doing a little bit of the uh, old uh, little tongue clicking herself? Maybe. Maybe. So, um... In a scene that, like, I really like that harkens back to kind of like the 70s, like, supernatural thrillers. And you can go through the whole litany of them. Um, Annie goes back to the attic where all of her mom's books and shit are. And starts to rifle through, like, some of the photo albums. And realizes that Joan's been associated with the family for a really, really long time. There's some pictures, some, some group photos of... Of uh, Ellen, Annie's mom, kind of dressed up in like, uh, not exactly party garb, but like something. Yeah, there was definitely like celebrating or to it. Like there was doing something. Something going on. It's not quite a Tupperware party. Like they're not just, <laughs> you know, like like they're not just like selling dildos. Like there's <laughs> something's going down that's like super duper wrong. Um, and then also finds this book on um, on the occult. Right, particularly about this uh, demon named uh, uh, Paimon, Paimon, sure, sure why not? yeah, um, and and we actually did we we did a little bit of, of research ourselves. Uh, a lot of crazy shit about Paimon. Uh, he wore a crown. Uh, I guess he <laughs> kind of had an effeminate face, kind of girlish look. Uh, he apparently he was like a uh, Renaissance guy. He played some instruments. Mm. Uh, but he answered to Satan, you said. I, yeah, he was like he was like Satan's homeboy. Um, That's cool. You know, he's a little bit of a diva. You know, like if you want to summon him, like you gotta have stuff for him. Like <laughs> he probably has a fucking rider, like like room temperature Snapple or some stupid shit. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> demon rider. Yeah, yeah. Like if you want to summon him, like I need this. Like if you want Instagram like, pics, like only green M and M's. Yeah, like pick all the other ones out. Yeah, like oh fuck off, dude. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and. To me, this spells like, ooh, you know what, Steve, Pete, cover your nuts because Paymon needs a male body in order to host him. And this harkens back to something that uh, Charlie said in the beginning to Annie. You know, when she said, "Uh, I don't really like hanging out with Grandma because Grandma tries to dress me like a boy. So there was that. And uh, now we see why. Yeah. So, uh, Pete 
is starting to slip into catatonia. Right, his mom's unraveling. Uh, he's got yeah, he's, he's all kinds of fucked up at yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah. He, his uh, his SETs are coming up. <laughs> um, he sees uh, while he's at lunch, he sees a vision of Joan dressed in white garb. It looks like as though Joan is is casting a spell on him. Yeah, or trying Never, to summon him. Yeah, or, or warn him about something. It's a very it was a very uh, strange. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. Either way, not good. Like high school's hard enough. Right. You know, you need witches summoning uh, summoning demons. Not pleasant. So, um, yeah. So as uh, he's in class, one of the and <laughs> and we we already saw this scene, right? Some of this scene in the trailer. I actually didn't remember seeing this in the trailer. Um, I will say that it, this is something I'm going to start doing. Not watching the trailer over and over and over. We saw the trailer for this movie when we went to the movies, I don't know, like a month ago to see something else. I don't even remember what it was. And that's the only time I watched the trailer from beginning to end. And I liked that. You know, I didn't really have a lot of expectations for this movie. And I think that helps, you know, helps your movie going experience. Yeah, but you know, to the the film house's credit, I didn't see this... Film um, advertised a lot. I didn't see the trailer for this a lot. You're right. I think I think maybe I saw it two other times on TV besides the time that we saw it. But it, it's it's the classroom scene, right? Where uh, you you want to describe it there for our, our listeners? Sure. Yeah. So um, Pete's at school. Uh, he's in class. Obviously not. You know the the teacher's lecturing, talking, whatever. He sees like the reflection of himself. Oh, yeah, that was fucked up. So he looks into, like, the bookcase that has a glass door on it, and it's him, but he's smiling. And then they shoot back to him in real life, and he's not smiling, which is fucked up. <laughs> so then <laughs> you hear this cracking noise, Oh. and you see his hand go up, and you don't really know exactly what happened right away till they turn and you see him from the front. And he's just all distorted, Right. Sort of, and still, like he's frozen, and his like head is all fucked up to the side, and you're like, what the fuck just happened? And then, wham, his face right on the desk, busts his nose wide open. Yeah. He's like screaming like, bloody murder. I, I, I was squirming yeah, at that, this point. Oh. I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really squirm. Yeah. I started to squirm. Yeah. yeah. I was a little uneasy. I, I needed like some kind of like food. <laughs> at that point to help me uh sweaty hands the whole bit yeah i uh i, I knew we were in trouble then yeah because like you know we saw the scene we we saw a part of the scene but like it almost looks like he goes into like anaphylaxis right like like a little bit of that revenge like charlie's revenge yeah or something like that really fucking creepy scene i mean that burned into my mind like i said look i i went in there like you know like like rocky balboa in Rocky Three, in his first fight against Clubber Lang, you know, like seen it all. I've done it all. I'm just gonna go out there and you're like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see this film. I'm gonna be like, look, you know, wasn't that scary? <laughs> uh, and then, you know, the third round, you're blooded and bashed, and you know, your manager Mickey's dead. You know, like that's 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 how I started to feel after this scene. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, we saw part of this. And you still can't prepare yourself. Yeah. Brilliant. Because again, it's that, you know, at this point starting, it's that point in the movie where it's starting to wind down, starting to wind towards the end and you know it. 
and you you know an answer is coming that that all these ends are going to be tied up but more crazy shit keeps happening so yeah it was just it, it was really cool because you're just like what what the fuck right uh yeah i that probably should have been the uh the like the subtitle to this film like hereditary what, <laughs> what the, the fuck, fuck? yeah <laughs> um so uh we we go back to Annie, right? And and um Annie I guess notices uh notices a smell or something. I don't remember. She she goes to the attic, right? And yeah, I forget what drives her to the attic. Yeah, she pulls the ladder down like there's the flies. Fucking flies. Sound of flies. Fucking, ugh, buzzing and, fly noises in the whole movie. And, <laughs> and uh and she goes up there and notices the blackened, bloated, uh headless corpse of uh what she's pretty sure is is her mother ellen uh above ellen uh, ellen is surrounded by like i guess like some type of like a like sigil right uh above ellen's body is um is the symbol for um for for the demon paimon i guess or you know whatever their uh their their coven or their their group is uh someone's someone's throwing up some gang signs there <laughs> and um yeah, so so she freaks out, she leaves, and then she gets poor uh, Steve, who uh, who just got back home uh, from uh, from his uh, drive in the mountains with his Volvo, and uh, <laughs> and Steve's like had it at this point, right? Steve's, yeah, he's just like not amused. No, he's not amused. He's just beaten down, just <laughs> yeah. bad. She's like, um, there's a dead body in the attic, and uh, it's probably my mom, and he's just like. Oh, I guess I'll go check it out. <laughs> right, right. Like, like you sure it's like not like just like a chair, like a fucking sheet over it, and like maybe you just like farted and like it's your upper lip or something. Like it really is a dead body up there. Like Steve's like he just wants a divorce, right? He just wants to like do it like a Tinder date. And, like, yeah, fucking he's done. Forget yeah. this family. But uh, yeah, so uh, there is a blackened, bloated, headless body up there, and uh, pretty sure it's all right. And then it, it, like. Steve, does he tie the two together like the grave is dug up? And... Yeah, because he says to her, right. which again is not something they harp on, but he mentions to her like, oh, you're the one who dug up your mom's body. And then that's it. They they like they leave it at that. He says that about it and there's like nothing else about it. So Right. Yeah. And like and then like Annie starts to like coax him over to the um to the fireplace, like burn the book, like I would like coax my dad to bring me to Toys R Us, like no dad, like <laughs> I, to I just need it, like you have to do it, and she's like, hey, Steve, you got to burn the book, it's the only way, like please, like it's the only way he's gonna, please, she's like desperate at this point and just losing her shit, and like Steve's just like, he's like stomping his feet over, like right, fuck me, like if I burn the book, like will you, like just leave me alone. <laughs> Throws the book in the fire and... He goes up in flames. He goes up in flames. Holy shit. What? <laughs> yeah, that house must have smelled amazing <laughs> after <laughs> after uh, Steve's burnt uh, body. And um, really, I mean, this is really the end of this film as... You know, it's the end of all subtlety, right? It's the end of... Like, this one's like, I'm not fucking with you. Here it comes. Yep. Like, yep. I'm coming with the thunder. And from here on out, it is just okay. fucking mayhem. Uh, you want to uh, take us away there? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, seemingly, out of nowhere, Annie floats now. 
So she's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. But <laughs> she's she's doing that creepy thing where she looks like a little bit distorted and she's just like backed up against the wall, like in the ceiling. Like right? fucking, like a weird Spider-Man. Like a weird backward Spider-Man thing, right? Yeah. And like in her fucking nightgown and she's behind Pete and Pete doesn't see. And we see this frame of Pete looking at us, you know, Pete looking towards the camera and this bitch hanging <laughs> off the wall just fucking staring as well. There's like no emotion on either end and you're just like, oh my God, like what is going to happen? Right? right? Like you're just waiting. But the fact that nothing happens and you're just looking at this scene for a couple of seconds is fucking unnerving. Right. And creepy in itself. It didn't need anything else. And you can't quite see her face. Right. right? Like you kind of sort of see her but and like you could see her like looking at him these and you know you and i may have touched on this like in like the previous couple of episodes like fuck the gore forget about the gore i don't that's the stuff that gives me the chills that freaks me out that keeps me up at night that thing in the corner that's looking at you that you can't quite make out that just has really bad intentions yeah, that stuff that yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That that's the stuff that sticks with you. That's the stuff that you visualize when you walk into a dark room. Yeah. Not necessarily the gore and stuff like that. Right. You know. That's the stuff of nightmares. Absolutely. Truly. Absolutely. So um So go ahead. Sorry, so babe. yeah, no, so like we see Annie on the wall behind him, right? And Pete notices now. Yeah. And just from this moment on, this film's a thousand and five miles per hour, and I don't remember breathing anymore. Yeah, after this. I was definitely like holding my breath from yeah. this point until the end. Folks, you're you're gonna hear all the jaded people on Facebook and social media, and your friends and family and loved ones. I'm gonna tell you like, like if if you think this movie's scary, you're a fucking pussy. Let me tell you something. I have been, Gina and I alone have been watching horror movies together for almost 10 years now since we're together. I'm 41. I've been watching horror movies since I'm six. I haven't been this scared for about 20 minutes this this went on for. Mm-hmm. I haven't been this scared in a very, very long time. I'm talking sweaty palms stuck to either side of my seat. I'm squirming. My heart's racing. I think at A24 or, or, you know, whatever, did like that heart rate thing. And everybody's like, oh, this is hype machine. Like, you guys are assholes. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's real. It's legit. It's, this is frightening. I just, I could feel my legs going out. Yeah. From my, if I was standing up, I don't know. I may have dropped. Yeah. So, um. And that's the beautiful thing about horror movies, that's right? That's the beautiful the, thing. The, the adrenaline rush. You know, you so know what? Good. They're not done like this anymore. You know, right. That's the amazing thing. Right. Like, films pine to do shit like this. And they're just, they're misdirected somehow. They're either a copycat of the other, or, you know, they, they, they play the psychological aspect too much, or they play this aspect too much. This was just, this was just perfect. This just, like I said, it's the rubber band effect. Like the entire film is just pulling this giant rubber band back. And then bam, right into your fucking eye. And so like now Pete sees this and now he starts to see all the coven members, right? Like a naked guy standing in the door, like looking at him sideways and smiling. I'm getting chills right now just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm getting chills <laughs> just thinking about the shit. And then out of nowhere... Possessed Annie starts running at Pete, chases him up into the attic, right? And he's like screaming like, mom, no, mom, no. 
and like you know you hear bang you think it's her fist she's oh my on god I the forgot fucking, about that until you just said it <laughs> she's on the ceiling like banging like like head. like Reagan banging her head like bam 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 like rapid fire and he's like oh my god and it stops it stops and then what he's looking at the floor and then looks up and there she is <laughs> floating oh my god looking oh. at him wide eyed out of the corner of her eye and she's going shifting hands really quick and and I'm like at first I'm like is she like dancing to something like what it's like Beetlejuice uh, like are we gonna hear you know like uh like uh like some fucking like Calypso music she's cheese wiring her own fucking head off who thinks of these things insane and I'm like oh, what, what what I turn around to you and I said I'm going to the bathroom I wasn't going to pee. I was going to pass out. I didn't want to fucking pass out. <laughs> well, I'm glad I didn't let you. I'm glad. I, like, and you're just like, you can't leave yeah. now. This it's, it's too good. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm sweating I knew just thinking was, I knew we were coming down the home stretch and I, I knew you would have regretted it if you would have went to go pee at that moment. <laughs> yeah, you know, because like, like I speak of audiences, but you know, it's me. Like I'm the entire movie. I'm like, When's this gonna? There's something has to happen. Are they gonna just gonna like do something like the last scene and then leave the shit for a sequel? That sucks. And I'm like, oh my god, it just, it just kicked into high gear, and you you hear her head fall off, and Charlie freak, I um, uh, Pete freaks out, and he throws himself out the window, from the attic all the way down, to the bottom into the garden face plants. Right, and then uh, do, do you want to take us away to the uh, to the finale there? So okay, uh, so so he he falls, and when he picks his head up, he stands up and he clicks his tongue. So you're right. like, oh shit! Right, 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 right. right. So um, so he finds the headless uh, corpse of Annie, kind of floating up into Charlie's uh, treehouse. So now we follow him up. Again, the pacing, beautiful. We follow him as he climbs the ladder up into the treehouse. And the camera's just panning the treehouse very slowly. One of the first things we see is Charlie's head on, I don't know, a mannequin thing with clothes and a crown some some crazy some crazy shit got some uh, chocolate cake some walnuts up there some guys walnuts some guys walnuts <laughs> everybody's naked and just having a fucking good old time everybody's fucking naked and then and they're kneeling and kind of you know kneeling and like almost they look like they're praying and then we realize that they're also headless right we have the headless corpses of Pete's mom and grandmother. Yeah. Holy shit. And they're just, and he and the look on this kid's face is just again like the acting just brilliant. Yeah. The look of it was it was such a consistent look of like terror, but terror wasn't like the predominant emotion you got from him. Not only that, you're right. He was just kind of, I mean, completely silent. Very slow, just looking around and like, what the fuck is happening? Right. In, right. Like at, at that point too, like we're not sure if it's, if, if it's Charlie, if it's like, if it's, if it's Pete in there, right. There's, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of emotions that he's expressing. So yeah. Yeah. Like you just don't, you don't know if, you know, this is the, the end or if like what, right. you know. 
So, uh, eventually we see Joan come up to him and he, she places a crown on his head and, um, it was, I don't know if she puts something on him or something else, but she, she crowns him, uh, uh, like, uh, Paymon slash Charlie Wright King slash queen and says like this whole like bunch of things she's just like kissing his ass at that point like, <laughs> yeah 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 like you're, you're, you're so cool here's your <laughs> here's, here's your, your crown. crown right right yeah congratulations guy <laughs> you know like how are you gonna clean up this mess like how are you gonna get all those bodies out of there oh. jesus christ um and that's the fact and then it cuts out to uh, a carpenter's song right I, I, I think it was from the carpenter's. oh i don't even remember i was you know um <laughs> i was in the moment i wasn't yeah, I, uh, I was just, it's, it really takes a lot for me to like, after the film was over, I was like, I don't think getting up right now is a good idea. Yeah, all four of us, we just sat there and we're like, all right, we need a minute. Let's yeah. take this in before we leave. <laughs> yeah, folks. And if you think we're being dramatic, which I mean, we probably are, but, uh, Whatever. go, go, <laughs> go see it for yourselves. Oh man. I, I th- loved it. I loved it. I... I mean, never mind the cinematic, you know, beauty of the of the whole movie and all. Um, but I like to be really scared, like truly scared. Not, um, you know, I like that adrenaline rush. Like I said before, the the pacing I thought was perfect, and um, I thought it was a really exciting movie. This is, I'm gonna go out and say that this movie is the horror movie that scared me most since Insidious. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I would, I would, you know, even for Insidious, I was, um, I was scared. I, I was, I was, I was more freaked out than I was anything else. Um, I have to say, this is the most uncomfortable I've been watching a movie since The Sixth Sense. Wow. That going into that movie, which I, I think came out in in the nineties, right, like late nineties, ninety nine, I think. Um. I I was constantly like in abject terror. I didn't know if the next scene was going to scare the shit out of me like the point that I lost my mind and I never thought I'd feel that way again. I really thought after that like horror films don't really get that much scarier because they really didn't after that. I don't think they did. And I th- well, you know what? This is a pinnacle, and you know what? if this is how the if this is how the genre is going to go out, so be it. I mean, you know that's fine. And I thought maybe as I got older, you know, they would I would just get you know more and more jaded and just be like, oh, you know, whatever. You know, you're just a part of the hype machine. Uh, Hereditary delivers. I haven't been this freaked out and scared, and I haven't had that much fun at the at the at the theater. In a very, very long time. I mean, kudos to this entire cast, this entire production. Uh, I will offer one piece of advice. Do not, do not offer a sequel or a prequel. Let this lone classic fucking stand Mm -hmm. and let it go into the fucking annals of of horror history. Don't even call it a horror. Who cares? Don't even call it a horror. Say it's a psychological thriller. Say it's a fucking... I don't call it whatever you want. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Don't make a sequel. Just let this stand and sit and simmer. Folks, go see it. If you've seen it, go see it again. I want to see it again. Yeah, I absolutely want to see it like two more times at least because I feel like 
that there's definitely more to to catch on to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, within definitely. the movie, yeah. Definitely. I mean, there there are definitely some some things left open that I'd like to see. You know, I, I don't really like the whole idea of you know director's cut DVDs because like I feel like whenever you get over, you go to the theaters, you're kind of getting cheated out of whatever that's supposed to be. But you know, this time I'll bite. You know, if there's gonna be a director's cut of this, yeah, I I, I want to see whatever we we were we we were missing yeah. or whatever was cut out. Um, this is this is probably one of the best horror films I'd ever seen. I mean, this puts your psyche in a chokehold and just doesn't let go until you are well out of the theater. I mean, this really took recovering from. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But in the best way possible. It frightened, it entertained, it made you sad, it made you mad, you laughed a little bit uncomfortably and it's perfect. I just don't think you get better than this and you know, I said it in the 90s, maybe it never will. Yeah, absolutely. So? So, go check out Hereditary. Let us know what you think. We would love to chat about it or chat about whatever you want. Tell us what horror movies you've seen or you're looking forward to seeing. Um, again, Anchor, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. So, uh, hit us up. Yep. And, um, again, thank you guys for listening. So, for G, I'm Ant. And this has been another episode of Just Another Horror Show. Good night.